You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Listen live on 98.7 or 98.3 FM or stream live from rwpfm.com.au. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. We're talking with the co-inventor of the Flow Hive and founder of Be Inventive, Cedar Anderson. The Flow Hive has, has been this incredible success around the world. And, and I suppose one of the things that stands out is how you used social media and how you used you know, something like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, I think was the crowdfunder that you used. The things that I'm interested in is how you took advantage of those technologies to get an idea off the ground. I think you've been a beekeeper with your father for three generations, well, family beekeepers for three generations and doing it for 20 years since you were a kid. It's a great example for inventors and people trying to get projects off the ground of, of how you can actually see this whole thing through. So that's, that's one area I'm interested in. Do you want to just take us through the process you went through? Okay, so we've been working on the flow hive for about a decade, which meant small prototypes, putting them into the hive, seeing what the bees thought of it, seeing whether it was useful to us. And the idea was to come to an invention that was easy on the bees and easy for us. So to me, that the, the holy grail was to be able to turn the tap-like feature on the hive and the honey to flow straight out. And, and we actually achieved it, which was an extraordinary thing to be sitting in the paddock and watch that happen for the first time. So then from there... We had this prototype working, but there's multiple, multiple ways to take it to the world. And we also had to sit down and think, is this something good for the world? And we thought, well, yes, if it can make harvesting honey a lot more accessible and increase the popularity of beekeeping and it's gentle on the bees, then yes, we're prepared to, to go ahead and take this to market. What sort of concerns did you have or, or what was the thought process in deciding whether your product was a good thing to take to market? So suddenly you had to think about, you know, this could be a worldwide phenomenon. I think I've, I looked at your website last night and over 50,000 sold to 130 countries. What were possible concerns that you considered? Well, I'm a naturalist myself and, you know, I could, I could easily just run off into the forest and, and, and live there and, and there's this part of me that wants to do that. Mm. Then I'm also into technology and I'm also into invention. So this kind of, you know, is it a good idea? To, to put technology into a beehive or not. It's mm. stayed the same way for 150 years and we come along and go, wow, we've got this new fandangled thing. So thinking about that, the things that make me think it's a good idea is that in putting the technology into the hive, our flow frame, we almost enable honey harvesting in a more natural way, a way where you don't have to pull apart the hive, where you don't have to disturb the bees where you can just sit there and watch it pour out. And in, in a funny way, it, it, it feels more natural. And, and I guess it's also, it's encouraged a lot of people to get into producing honey, whether on a small scale or a commercial scale. And I was just intrigued that even at the crowdfunding stage of this early days, you know, your original orders were out to 130 countries. So you've really, you've captured a, basically the whole world by the sound of things. Most of the world has been intrigued by this. Look, we were really surprised because we had our hopes and dreams of how the world would receive our invention. But to have it get the traction it has is just mind-blowing. Mm. It's something like a billion views on our content now. Wow. And that's something that you couldn't engineer. You, you couldn't, you know, nobody gets that. And yet we're 
a beehive. And it's just extraordinary to have the world receive our invention in such a big way. To get those original orders when you first, when you were raising money, seeking to raise money through crowdfunding, how did you go viral? How did you get out to so many people? and then wind up being so oversubscribed. I think, you know, you were, you were chasing 100,000 Australian dollars and you got over 15 million. We did put a lot of thought into it and we, we did spend a long time recording video content, putting it together in various ways and showing it to friends and seeing what they thought and making sure we had all the necessary things in there, like presenting our, our new thing and then backing it up with credibility from beekeepers who had actually used it and also a strong call to action at the end. In my mind, I'd been following crowdfunding for a little while and I thought that's a great way to go because you can put something out there and you're asking the actual customers whether they want it or not instead of trying to convince investors. Mm. And also it puts you directly in touch with your customers, which means you can help shape the way your product is received and help, in our mind, help people understand the importance of bees and the environmental connection and all of that. Whereas if we were working through distributors, we wouldn't have that direct connection with the customer. The yep. crowdfunding in, intrigued me and I've been watching it for a while. I knew that you had to create a snowball to create an avalanche. Yep. Crowdfunding that starts off really really slow generally doesn't do that well so what were the sort of vehicles that you pushed the indiegogo campaign through was it facebook twitter the social media sites i did a bit of research on that and what i found is that facebook's a big one so we focused all of our energy on that and also a little bit of mainstream media and that was it and the way we did that is we we built up a page so we got a thousand likes through promoting posts and we had a friend of mine that i grew up with doing that bit of it and then we put a teaser video, which is basically a little two-minute video that says, hi, everyone, this is what we've invented. If you want to find out more, put your email in here. Now, I wanted a 1,000 emails before launch that we could send out and say, hey, everybody, our campaign's live on Indiegogo. But in a week, we had 70,000 emails. And what that meant is by the time we pressed the go button, we had so many people on Indiegogo pressing refresh that we crashed their website multiple times. Wow. It's a record, isn't it? It's for speed and for the amount that it was oversubscribed, it's still a record for crowdfunding. It is. It broke multiple records. It's the top one on Indiegogo, mm. and it did break records for the fastest to $1 million and the fastest to $2 million and so on. It is an amazing story. See, if you've got sort of other projects not related to bees and, and the flow hive that you're going to sort of apply this skill that you clearly have to, or are you content just sort of focusing on where you are now? the challenging bit in myself. I see new ideas and new things every day and I, I keep chewing my uh, my partner's ear off about it. But I rein myself back in and I say, focus, focus. And that's how we got the flow hive over the line, myself and my dad. And just maintaining focus on, on the single project and trying not to get distracted. And it's still that way. You know, I've got um, interesting electric-powered aviation inventions that I really want to get to, but I'm, I'm holding them off and I've got renewable energy inventions that I really want to get to, but I'm just holding it up while we focus on, on what we're doing. But hopefully in, in a not-too-distant future, we'll have the company set up in a way where there's a little bit more time to play with some exciting projects. Fantastic. Well, I'd love to hear about them in future. If you're prepared to talk again with us, that'd be great. Cedar, can you tell us about the Flow Hive 2, please? 
Okay, so the Flow Hive 2 was basically we got the feedback from the market and went, okay, how are we going to change things? What can we do to improve it? So we basically put, there's about 15 different features that are different. It's not a completely new hive. It's still using the basic same technology, but we've just made things a bit easier and a bit nicer and more robust with levelling legs and levels built into the hive and sliding trays and more windows and solid brass knobs and things like that. Okay, so it's the deluxe model, if you like. It is. It is the deluxe model. And people really, I guess the the audience that we've attracted, they they really do want something that's nice in the garden and they do want something that's, that's functional and, and easy. So it's great to be able to provide that for people and inspire people that otherwise probably wouldn't have gotten into bees to become beekeepers and start advocating for our very little friends that are so important. This might be a good moment to bring Simon Mulvaney from Save the Bees in. And we're talking with the co-inventor of the Flow Hive and founder of Bee Inventive, Cedar Anderson. Simon Mulvaney is a bit of a campaigner against use of insecticides. Simon, do you want to throw something in while we've got Cedar on the line? Um, congratulations first. It must have been very hard to um, fill the orders and I can imagine it would have been quite stressful paid in advance and then having to get them all out there. Absolutely. 20,000 orders at once in an eight-week period is actually quite frightening because <laughs> a 1,000 orders is hard to achieve. So it certainly uh, was an exciting time, but I'm not sure I'd say it was enjoyable. And you did get it done, didn't you? I think I was reading you had to get it done by Christmas and you, you managed to do it. We did, for the most part. There was a few orders that missed the Christmas date, which we copped a bit of flack for, and we had to send them, you know, pictures of their flow hives to put under their tree. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we certainly hit a lot of the order dates. I presume these get sent flat-packed. You assemble them yourself? Yeah, that's correct. People assemble them and they coat them with whatever finish they would like right. on the outside. Mm. And our latest hive comes with all the tools to assemble it as well. So we've tried to make it easier. Mm. For, for people that you know aren't used to using power tools, they don't like to be stereotypical, but there is more than half of our beekeepers are women and tend to not have used uh, drills before, so provided little hand tools, you can put the whole thing together. Just like Ikea. Well, there's been a real issue around the world with honey laundering, is what I call it, particularly out of China, a lot of cheap honey getting mixed in with different honeys around the world. So I think you've done a great thing in being able to keep pristine honey straight to the people. Fantastic, yeah. There's certainly seeing it come out of the hive into your jar is very direct and it's very visually direct of the produce coming from the bees to your jar with no processing at all in between. Beyond just providing a really good product to people, and, and as you guys have just been pointing out, that you can you don't actually have to make contact. There's no sort of skin or you know hand contact with the honey, so you wind up with a very pristine product. But were you surprised at how this product seemed to encourage sort of awareness of the importance of bees for pollination? For I don't know, just examples to the world of a, a beautiful little society that's that produces an amazing product. Absolutely. I mean, we, of course, started off with our invention that we wanted to take to the world, and pretty soon we were starting to get all this feedback about how, hey, I've only had my bee, my, my beehive one month, and I've already converted my whole block insecticide-free. And to me, that's really great positive impact. And, and the reason 
why we keep going is because we want to have positive impact in the world. So business for a positive purpose is a thread through our company. So whatever we do, we're trying to find a way that we can do it better. We can have a positive impact. And I've noticed that you have insect hotels now for sale as well. Do you want to tell people about them? So our pollinator hotels were a project to raise some funds. What we did is we got the offcuts of flow hives that were sitting in the corner of the shed and went, hey, we can make a little product out of this. So we made the pollinator hotels. We then put them up for sale and they sold out in four days. And then we got those funds and we're donating 100% of profits to habitat regeneration and protection and advocacy for bees. So we've got now a little micro-grant program that people can apply for and get a, a small amount of funding for their project. Is that just in Australia or is that all over the world that those funds are distributed? It's Australia and USA, which were the places that we offered to pollinate a hotel for sale. It's such a great story and an amazing i love the fact that your background was a naturalist and you'd grown up sort of in the hinterland near byron bay i believe it's an example of a business that's sort of having a positive impact on the world encouraging interest in bees i believe that in china they're having to hand pollinate certain crops because of of problems with pollution and, and bees not being able to do it so bees around the world have been under threat humans have a long way to go before what we are doing is sustainable and Examples like hand-pollinating crops with feathers and purchased pollen certainly does make you think, wow, we are in a really, really problematic space and there's certainly a lot of change that needs to happen and it's, it's great that people are campaigning for change and it's fantastic that, that there is awareness and bees are now on the agenda, which is something that's a relatively recent history. Do you think it's possible at some stage in the future plastic could be replaced in the flow hive? Hemp or something? Yeah, I think it certainly is possible. We have looked into quite a lot of range of materials because we have the same thoughts of you there and we're yet to find one that ticks all the boxes, but we'll keep looking. Mm, Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much, Cedar Anderson, co-inventor of Flowhive and founder of Be Inventive for talking with us today and thanks also to Sam Mulvaney for coming into the studio. Thanks a lot for having me. Fantastic and keep up the good work, you too. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestions for future shows.